Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. God is not just the hope of Israel, he's your hope. Have you ever stopped at a fountain of living water? No, not really common around these parts, are they? Dr. Corbett is in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah chapter 17, where God's temple is meant to be for the Israelites a fountain of living water. But Israel had turned its back. We're joining Dr. Corbett now as he looks at forsaking the fountain of living water. Father, we invite you by your spirit to have your way in our life. Oh, great God. We pray that your word will do more than tickle our ears, that your word will do more than fill our minds, that your word will do more than be presented in perhaps an amusing, entertaining way. But Father, we pray that your word would grip our souls, change our hearts, transform us into people that can be of use for you. Oh God, I pray, help me to do justice to the, the weight of your word now, I pray. Amen. Forsaking the fountain of living waters from Jeremiah 17 verses 12 to 13. So let's read that first verse. I'm reading from the English Standard Version and it says this. A glorious throne is set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. This is Jeremiah responding to the people who were saying to Jeremiah, you're wrong. This temple will never be destroyed. This temple is the very dwelling place of God. You remember Jeremiah was telling the people who looked religious. They were spiritual. They were spiritual, but just in the wrong sense. God is not looking for you just to be religious. He's not looking for you just to be spiritual. You can be religious and be religiously wrong. James tells us that there is a pure and an undefiled religion and it comes from having a heart that says, Jesus, I want to be yours. I want to do what you want. That's good religion. Here's Jeremiah saying to these people, you think that you can just be religious any way you like. You think you can just be spiritual any way you like. And you think that because God has said he will dwell in this house, this temple, that you're safe. And Jeremiah tells the people that God is going to come and destroy this city. And it was so incredible that what he was saying could possibly happen. Knowing what we know, leaping ahead, exactly as Jeremiah foretold it, it happened. Who Jeremiah said would lead the invading army, even though they weren't at the time a world empire, happened exactly as he said. And so we know that what Jeremiah had to say did indeed happen. This statement might sound strange, knowing that Jeremiah has said, stop putting your confidence and your hope in a physical building. And then Jeremiah turns to this physical building and he says, but in there is a glorious throne. In this house, it's a sanctuary. Oh boy, I want to, I want to touch on these words because this temple, Jeremiah is now saying, it was a reminder of God's throne you see the one sitting on the throne is supposed to be the one who's ruling and the temple was a reminder that God was enthroned he was enthroned he rules we've mentioned before that becoming a Christian is not a matter of you making a decision it's you becoming a believer 
To believe in God is to put your trust in him. It's to commit your life to him. We're not interested in you making a decision. We know that if you are a believer, you'll make decisions in accord with what God wants. And Jeremiah is telling these people that this temple is meant to be the reminder of God's throne. And yet God is not ruling their hearts. God is not the Lord of their life. God is not the king of their soul. This temple was also meant to be the focal point of the city. And as the focal point, it, it, it was a constant reminder of God's presence. Now, if we could all just imagine that we are coming up to Jerusalem, and I know that some of you have actually been to Jerusalem, and you'll know that every major city of the world is generally built beside water. Jerusalem's not, and this is the site that God selected. He selected Mount Zion. And so to go to Jerusalem is to go up to the top of a hill. And it was King David who, who established Jerusalem. God had said, this is where my presence will be. And, and it's an interesting story that when David, the young boy, heard that this was the site that God had picked and Israel had failed to take it, the Canaanites in particular, the, the, the clan of the Jebusites, had maintained Mount Zion. They, they didn't give it up. David is a 16-year-old boy after he slew Goliath, chopped off Goliath's head. You know, the, anyone ever pondered the very first thing David did when he cut off Goliath's head, he grabbed the head. You know what he did? He, he walked away from the clapping and the applause and the cheering of the Israeli army and he walked up to Mount Zion with the head. You read it. He walked up to Mount Zion. He stood outside the fortress walls of the Jebusites. I think he was saying, you're next. I'm going to take this city. And of course he did. And it's called the city of David. Jerusalem, the city that was the city of the Jebusites. But it's a strange place for a city. Yeah, great for a military fortress because you, you're up high and you can look out. And one part of the Mount Zion is just straight down into the valley of Hinnom. And when the temple was built, it was built right on the peak, right up against almost that cliff face down to the valley of Hinnom. That's where the temple was. So in other words, when you're coming up to Jerusalem, you would have seen the temple. The temple was also meant to be a sanctuary. In fact, we read in Exodus 15 and verse 17, God saying that one day he would establish a sanctuary. And I want to touch on this word because it's a beautiful word. Exodus 15, 17, you will bring them in. And you will plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. You see, this sanctuary, Moses prophetically declares as they've just come out of Egypt. And Moses says, one day God is going to establish a sanctuary on a mountain. And we will come to it. And we will be in his presence and this place will be a sanctuary. The psalmist says in Psalm 73 verse 16 that this, that this experience of coming into the sanctuary was, was, was a place where mysteries become clear. The psalmist says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me to be a wearisome task. Psalm 73 verse 17, until 
I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. You see, coming into the house of God brings understanding. And a sanctuary is, is not a common place. It's a place that's set apart. It's special. It's where God has said, this is not to be like other places. And the sanctuary was meant to be an embassy of heaven. This temple was meant to be an embassy of God's kingdom. It was meant to say, that's right, this isn't my home. That reminds me of my home. My ultimate home is to be with God. This is just an embassy of God's kingdom. You see, in speaking of this temple, let me go forward a bit. Jeremiah says this temple would be destroyed. It was inconceivable, but it did. It did get destroyed. It it happened. Uh, And I'm rushing ahead in the story of Jeremiah because eventually the king of Babylon will come in and he'll take the cream of the crop. And among them is this young boy by the name of Daniel. And Daniel gets taken away. And you know the story. You can read the story of Daniel in his book. And then Jerusalem was still not bowing the knee to Babylon. And so the king of Babylon sends in his army again to teach them another lesson. And this time there's another group nearly as good as the first. And among that group is this guy, Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is taken away and he's in Babylon. And some short years after that, Jerusalem still hasn't bowed the knee. They still haven't repented. They still are opposing the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes in and says, right, that's it. I'm not interested in your taxes. I'm not interested in any revenue I can get out of you anymore. I'm just going to destroy the whole lot of you. And he does. He just destroys the city. It's a smoldering ash heap. And word of this gets back to Babylon. The temple's been destroyed. The temple's been destroyed and Ezekiel was a priest. You can only be a priest if you've got a temple. There was now no temple to go back to. You can imagine what Ezekiel's thinking. Look, we're in captivity in Babylon, but you know, in a year or two, we'll be back in Jerusalem and we'll be all functioning again. God will deliver us. Next thing, the temple's destroyed. <gasps> and Ezekiel... One of the weirdest Old Testament prophets. He, he comes before God and says, God. And this is a guy that was like weird. He could close his eyes, be in prayer with God. And the next thing he says, then I was in Jerusalem. Say so what? I mean, you understand this is weird. And then he's shown something. It's as if the pages of, of, the, of the diary go forward, not back. And he's flung into the future and he sees something and it's a temple. And then God says, now, now go into the actual temple, the holy place and the holy place. And so he goes in and it, it's like, Ew, it's wet. What's this? And God says, go in further. You know the story, you read this in the middle of Ezekiel, right toward the end. He goes in, it goes up to his ankles and he keeps walking, thinking he's going into the very presence of God, the holy place. And it just goes up to his waist and next thing he's up to his neck and he's in this water. And Ezekiel says this in Ezekiel 30, 
7 verse 26, and I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them. I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. Verse 28, then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. There's a lot I could say about this. There's a whole bunch of people who are determined to interpret this in a wooden literal sense and they are, they are really determined to reclaim the part of Jerusalem that would require this to be physically, literally fulfilled. I think they missed the point. Completely missed the point. Because Jesus one day would come along and say, that sanctuary Ezekiel was talking about, it's me. I'm it. The covenant that's going to last forever, I'm going to establish it. It'll never need replacing. It's the new covenant. I'm your sanctuary. I'm your sanctuary. So the prophets foretold of a sanctuary that would come. Who is that sanctuary? What is that sanctuary today? Jesus calls you and me his temple, his sanctuary. The church, the temple of God, the sanctuary of God. We're meant to be a reminder to the world of God's throne that there is one ruling, there is one reigning. We're meant to be that reminder. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says this. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This sanctuary, us, the church, this sanctuary is meant to be a focal point. The focal point. If people want to meet with God, something should come into their thinking that says, I need to go to church. I need to meet with a Christian to find God. We're meant to be a focal point. I don't want to be a secret organization. This sanctuary, the church, is to be a place to experience God's peace. You come here and you experience God's peace. You don't know what the person on your left or on your right has gone through this past week. You don't know the pain they've experienced. You don't know the heartache they've experienced. You don't know what they're going through. But when we all come into this place together, this is to be the place where we experience God's peace. This sanctuary, us, the church, is meant to be an embassy of God's kingdom. We're meant to remind each other, this is not our home. This is not it. We're just an embassy. Come with me to the next verse. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth. For they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Here is here Jeremiah is saying, yes, this temple was meant to be all that you you, you kind of hoped it was, but you missed it. You've turned it into a physical object and you've missed the point. As if superstition could could gain you credit with God and treat the temple superstitiously. You've missed it, Jeremiah is saying to the people. 
And today we need to understand what Jesus says about us, his sanctuary, the church. Some of us, quite frankly, need a much higher regard for the church, the sanctuary. Do you not know that you, that's a plural, you are the temple? Do you not know that? Wow. You see, Israel was, was to turn to God for hope. They need see what's what's about to happen. There's about to be a foreign country that's coming to invade them. This the, the, there was another nation, the Assyrians, that were, you know, biting at them. And the nation to the to this, their cousins to the north, Israel, they'd already been conquered and taken by the Assyrians. The Assyrians were now biting at the heels of Jerusalem and and Judah, so to speak. And and Judah was turning to Egypt, turning to Baal, Molech, Asherah, all these foreign gods. And Jeremiah accuses them, your only hope is God and you're forsaking the hope of Israel. What a great name. But you know, God is not just the hope of Israel. He's your hope. Some people think of God as their last hope. I don't care. He's your hope. Whether he's first or last, I would suggest make him first. Now it says, all who forsake you will be put to shame. And it sounds like God is, will you forsake me? I'm going to shame you. And I wonder if we're missing the point there, that we, we sometimes think, this, follow this statement through, it's not just that we'll be punished for sins, it's that we will be punished by our sins. You read Romans chapter 1, and it talks about, a, it gives a list of things that people will do when they base their life and build the building of their life on a lie and the lie is that God is not God and he has no right over my life I will worship not God but I'll build this flimsy thing called thin ice and we'll suspend it over fire and we'll call this creation and I'll make whatever I want to be my God they worshipped and served the created rather than the creator Paul says. And when you build your life on a lie, you live however you want. And generally, you live to satisfy your cravings. And you make what is natural the guiding principle of your life. And Paul lists some of the debauchery that people get into when they have that kind of misplaced foundation in their life. It's a horrible list. Liars, cheaters, murderers, backbiters, disobedient to parents. And there's a whole list of of sexual sins as well. And the Apostle Paul says, and this is because God handed them over. What? I thought this is what was going to bring the punishment of God. And Paul shocks us and he says, no, this is the punishment of God. To be handed over to live how you please is one of the worst things God can do to you. And yet it's what people choose. To be allowed to choose that kind of life. The Bible says your sins will punish you. Sin is not your friend. Israel turned away from God to find shame, yet they thought they were going to find honour. They thought they were going to make themselves a great nation. The very things that they were doing, all the other nations did it. 
We'll win kudos with the other nations. We'll sacrifice our children to Moloch, which is what they were doing. I mentioned that cliff, Valley of Hinnom. Just down there, there was a valley where they burned their rubbish. We've already mentioned this. And they would throw their newborn babies into a fire in order to appease the sun god and the moon god. So that the sun god and the moon god, known as Moloch and Asherah, could bless and prosper them. So they thought this would bring honour. By forsaking God, they actually found shame. This next little expression, those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth. Can you see when God says, I'll write your names? Oh yeah, I'll write your names in the dust. Can you see what it's saying? You won't be remembered. When we put the plaques of people that I want to honour, yeah, I'll write your name in the dust. You'll be forgotten. You'll have no honour. Now this stands in contrast to the very last thing Jesus says to the church. It's recorded in the book of Revelation. And we come to this outstanding statement by Christ. Knowing, I mean you would think, Jesus, don't you see what they're doing to your church? Tens of thousands of people are being killed here. This thing's on the verge of being wiped out. Jesus, what are you going to do? Jesus says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write their names. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give him some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone. And with a new name on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Wow. Wow. He's going to give us a white plaque with a name. Revelation 13 verse 8. See, Jesus is about writing names. Revelation 13 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship it. This is Caesar Nero. And everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the, of the life of the Lamb who was slain. Wow. We read in this verse that they've forsaken the Lord... The Lord, the fountain of living water. Christ promises to be that fountain of living water. Remember that exchange in John 4 where the disciples go off to get supplies and Jesus just sits by a well and then a Samaritan woman comes and he says, give me a drink. She goes, you've got no bucket. And he says, if you knew who it was who asked you, give me a drink, you would ask me to give you a drink. But you've got no bucket. I'm not talking about that kind of water. I'm talking about, and Jesus uses this expression, living water. I can give it to you. And you know the story. She says, I want it. And he does. He gives it to her. Jesus is the living water. Where do you go when you're aching, when you're thirsty, when it's dry, when it's really bad, when it's really hard, when life is tough, when you've got doubts, when you've got questions, when you've got challenges, when you've got things coming against you, when you've got financial pressures, relationship pressures, where do you look for a drink? Where do you look for a drink? Some people literally, recognising that thirst, literally hit the bottle. Literally. And they drink alcohol. Jesus offers real drink, living water. Do you want a drink? 
Here's the question. Knowing that Jeremiah has said, the temple is not what you think it is, it is far more important and you don't get it. Knowing that the New Testament today says, we are the temple. We are meant to be that sanctuary. I hear that word sanctuary, I just hear the word peace. You come into the sanctuary in medieval times, if you're in the sanctuary, no army could touch you, no one could drag you out. You are protected. And Jeremiah is saying, Jerusalem, you're drinking from the wrong well. You've forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. And so today the question is, which fountain are you running to for your water? Are you running to a guru? Are you running to a bottle of pills? Are you running to a bottle? Are you running to something? Or are you running to someone? And if you listen closely, that word someone, I said it with a capital S. Are you running to him? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help me to pastor people to the fountain of living water. Help me to be somebody who offers sanctuary, sanctuary of God's presence, sanctuary of peace with God, sanctuary of forgiveness and mercy, sanctuary where we can point people to the embassy, sanctuary where, where people can come who are hurting, bruised, broken, confused, weary and worn and can come to the sanctuary and drink in their souls from the fountain of living water and find restoration for their souls. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to be your temple, your sanctuary. Now, if you're listening to me right now and you know that you are not in that sanctuary, you know you've never surrendered your life to Christ, maybe it's fear that has held you back, maybe you're afraid. I've got to tell you, in the sanctuary, all fears are dispelled. Don't worry about step three. Step one is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to the fountain of living water. You're one prayer away from having your life become all that it was meant to be. One prayer, a prayer that sounds something like this. Jesus, I give you my life. Take my life and make my life what you want it to be. I give you every problem I have, everything I have, everything I am. It's yours. Use it. I pray. You pray a prayer like that. Jesus can forgive you of your sin, cleanse you and give you a brand new start. Now, Lord, I pray for us that we will be good ambassadors of your grace and your love to a thirsty world. Amen. The Fountain of Living Water, a safe place, a sanctuary, as it were, of peace and fellowship with God. More in the Jeremiah series next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Forsaking the Fountain of Living Water, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. 
Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.